1: that i was going faster
2: you were supposed to be this colossus you were this great legendary thing and yet he gains
1: well i'm can't keep their canisters and he got on himself i do not accept excuses i'm just going to have to find myself a new giant that's all
0: don't say that Vincenzo. please
2: hello backpacking blisters family this is and with me today is one of the three people in the world to use their freeze-dried packages and construct an umbrella in the <laughs> wild.
1: With me is Carl Mandrioli. What's up, dude? I like it. People used to hike with umbrellas. I think they still do sometimes, but maybe not out of freeze-dried package wear, so nice. Exactly. With me today exactly. is Derek Somerville, a man who believes that bears without teeth are called gummy bears. Oh. Oh, jeez. Wow. That was was good. Cheesy. Uh, That was good. So this is not, unfortunately, going to be a Derek episode today because I had the opportunity to interview somebody, and it's it's basically going to take up the majority of this episode, but it is good, and it is worthwhile for everybody to listen to. And I think you're going to have some good reactions and strong reactions to it, so um, I think... Yeah, you you definitely have a role to play with this, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I gotta, you know, yeah, for sure. You gotta share the wealth. For sure. So should learn something new today. <laughs> That's right. So this is a gentleman named Ranger Rick Sanger, and people might have heard of him before. I would I would describe him as semi famous because he was a major player in Eric Blem's book, The Last Season. He was one of the Rangers that went after kind of was part of the search and rescue crew for the Lost Ranger. And yeah, so so he is very well chronicled. He um, went on another hike this past summer with Eric Blum. They're going to actually publish another article in Backpacker Magazine, which will hopefully come out this summer as well. And he worked in the backcountry, mainly out of uh, Kings Canyon area, National Park, for for 20 oh, years. Okay. So if there's a guy who knows his stuff, nice. like, this is the guy. I'm excited. This is yeah. uh, this is legit. Yeah. So, Derek, uh, the, t- the main tidbit that I have for today is actually, like, I've met him before and just didn't... Like, I just, you know, realized it years and years later, and actually talked about this meeting on a previous episode. What? Was it, were you on the trail, or where were you? What, I don't yeah, think. on the trail. And so, I don't know if you remember the story, but when I was on the John Muir Trail, like, forever ago, I think it was back in 1999, and I was running low on food. This is kind of where the whole, like, mooch thing starts, right? The pancake one. Is this the pancake one? That, yeah, the pancake mix. He oh. was the gentleman that gave me, the, he was, like, working at a backcountry ranger station at Ray Lakes, and he gave mm. me... The pancake mix. What a guy!
2: What a yeah. guy! Yeah,
1: I know he and I. Yeah, choked down some of that gloopy glop, and <laughs> we <laughs> and so and he. We actually mentioned that in in the interview, but kind of interesting. And I was like, because he told me where he was. You know, he t- he told me he was stationed in the back backcountry. I'm like, well, I was back. You know, I was there back in 1999 or whatever. And he's like, well, I was at that ranger station. So yeah, that was he was the he was the guy. Wow, that is. That's incredible. That's Wow, how rare is that? That's pretty crazy. Right. And so we were sort of reunited by a listener, uh, Mark V. He's the one that kind of set this up. So shout out to you. Thank you so much. This was really well worth it and I think worth everybody's time. So yeah. Uh, before we jump in, though, I've got a Bible verse. And this is 1 Samuel 1734. But David mm-hmm. said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. So even in old biblical times, the bears are coming and taking food. And unfortunately, I don't think David or Saul had bear canisters. Well, what if they, I mean, they could have like made something makeshift, right? Not as good though, probably. They didn't have that. I think that. they just kind of, yeah, they were just more warriors. They're just like, come on. It was all, it just on, kill the bear, I guess, right? Right, right. That's... Which I don't think that Ranger Rick would be for. And I think that'll be fleshed out. So (laughs) we're gonna get we'll get
2: to the bottom of it. We'll get to the bottom.
1: Right, right. Nice. Okay. So anyway, without further ado, this is Ranger Rick Sanger, who um, joined me for an interview not too long ago. So I'm with uh, Ranger, former Ranger Rick Sanger. Thank you for coming on our show, sir. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, Carl. I appreciate you asking me to be on your show, but I do want to start with a disclaimer. Okay. I'm going to be responding as a hiker, as a backpacker from my personal experience and from my own opinions. Right. I'm not going to be talking as a ranger. I haven't worked as a ranger actually for three years. You know, the the opinions expressed herein are not necessarily out of the National Park Service,
4: right? Right, right,
3: um, right. Now, and also, just totally to clarify, t- I was a seasonal ranger, so I was hired okay. every summer and then basically fired at the end of the summer. And (laughs) I did that for 20 years.
1: For sure. Like I get that you don't want to speak on behalf of the national park system. And and so we will, we will abide by that disclaimer for sure. Um, is it fair to say that you, you know, with so much experience out there, like you've spent more nights in the backcountry than, you know, than I'll ever spend probably just because of the job that you had. So is it fair to say that your opinion though, is going to be shaped by some of those or many of those experiences?
3: Oh man. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, okay. being a ranger enabled me to spend 20 summers in Kings Canyon National Park, uh, some in Sequoia. I've right. um, you know logged over 8,000 miles just within that park.
1: 8,000, that's awesome.
3: In a sense, it's kind of like uh, one, one hiker described it as this golden cage uh, in that uh, okay. I didn't really get to a lot of other parks. And it's been three years since I've been um, a, a, seasonal ranger. And so I'm starting okay. to explore some other places and yeah, it's fun.
1: So as a ranger, and as you mentioned, spending so many times or so many nights in the back country, like you must've experienced or witnessed just some unusual or crazy things, whether it's, you know, with through hikers or just people doing strange things or animals or yeah. Do you, do you have anything that kind of stands out?
3: Um, okay. I'll tell a story. I was walking along, uh, I've got to say my wife, Suzanne, spent quite a few seasons in the backcountry with me and we were coming back from a long trip and uh, I was talking about something. I think I was I was talking on the radio and she was hiking in front of me and she said, Rick, and, you know, I'm on the radio. And so I didn't really, you know, I wasn't going to be interrupted. And she goes, Rick, louder. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, the third time I'm like, what? And I look up and there's a bear running right at us. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that. (laughs) And um, and then I realized it's not running at us. It's running at a fawn that is running at us. Oh, wow. And the fawn ran past us about, I don't know, 20 feet to the side of us, and then the And then we're just sort of just orienting ourselves to what's going on, and the bear sort of trotting along, jogging after this spawn and it passes, and we look at each other, and I can see my wife starting to say, "Save it, do something," you know. I say, "Honey, (laughs) honey, I know what's happening. This is a game of hide and seek, and right now the bear is it." So that's how right. we got past that one.
1: So let nature take its course. Yeah. So I, I imagine that whatever went down, went down out, out of your sight. Is that correct? Yeah.
3: And actually okay. later we saw a fawn, which we decided was the same fawn. Of course. Of yeah. Course. And it was alive right. and, you know, and trying to yeah. so, so we decided right. that it, it was fine. Um, but uh, right. of course, yeah.
1: Right. And, and I'll just full full disclaimer on my end. The guys that I go with, like there might have been a guy or two that wanted to go after the bear to see what happened. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if that's the safest thing to do. I, it might have been me. But anyway, that's
3: <laughs> it's, so it's obviously that experience as well.
1: I haven't had. Well, we've, I've had a lot of bear experiences for sure. And we've yeah, we've had to chase bears off before. Um, but yeah, not not the bear chasing the fun. That is definitely interesting. And that that's a good story I like that one just disconcerting to have a bear (laughs) bounding towards you and oh my goodness that's um (laughs) yeah that would scare me a little bit i kind of got your contact info through one of our listeners mark which is awesome and he he shared that you had an interesting perspective on just kind of backcountry food storage and he was suggesting that perhaps like you were not all in on these backcountry bear boxes and so you, you have a different idea about how things should be run is that correct
3: I don't think that I have a crazy different attitude that maybe he led you to believe, but, um, you know, you have alluded in your emails that you're not, you know, kind of in on the bear canisters so much. And I don't know if you want to dive into that right away. Um, right. We can, or we can kind of circle around it. Um,
1: well you can, yeah, we'll, we'll dive in for sure. But, but let's, let's just get your, your opinion as far as like what you feel like is, Is the best way for somebody in the backcountry to to kind of be prepared to to keep their food and you know just yeah just your opinion on the subject I guess.
3: Okay, well, my opinion on it is pretty strong. I and it's shaped by history. There's this funny skit kind of in in um, Boy Scouts where. The guy comes toward the firing and he's uh, kind of throwing this yellow powder off into the dirt. And the other guy comes up to him and says, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm, I'm throwing this uh, elephant repellent away, you know, around to <laughs> keep the elephants away. And the guy goes, "Here, you're, you're crazy. There's no elephants around here. And the guy says, yeah, see, it's working. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it's it's funny for some reason, you know, you think, oh, you know, there's – They're really, you know, this is crazy. This guy's crazy. But, you know, when you see something work, your attitude changes. So I think that people coming on the scene these days experience the inconvenience of bear canisters. And I'm just going to guess that's where you're coming from.
1: There's, Yeah, I mean, I definitely have my, like, three-pronged argument for sure. But I, I see your standpoint for sure. Like, I totally get that. But keep going. So, okay, so you're so you're in on the you're in on the bear cannabis. So
3: like if when it comes to like mosquito repellent, right? Yeah, you carry re- mosquito repellent.
1: Um, actually, actually, I do. If I have got if I get my kids with me, I do. But typically, yeah. I don't.
3: Well, yeah. a lot of people do, and they they see for sure for sure. You know, especially when it's bad in the early spring. You know, the stuff right. works. I use the mosquitoes are there. You spray the repellent, and then they go away. And I think. Right. If you didn't have that experience, then you, know, you, might, not, you not, might not feel that way about, about the repellent. I see where you're going with that, okay. When I first got to Ray Lakes in 95, I read the ranger's logs of, about what okay. was happening in the 70s and even into the 80s. The place was a zoo. It was lousy with bears. It was a regular occurrence that people would get their food okay. stolen. And then there was an entry about them installing bear boxes. It was like, like okay. the problem went away. It was crazy. I mean, it's still it's still a challenge to get you know people to you know use the bear boxes when they're available, and people take all kinds of.
1: Wait, really? It's a challenge to get people to put the food in the bear boxes? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Even the bear boxes. Okay. Um, That's crazy. There was a guy at Ray Lakes that um, said, you know, uh, I, I asked him to make sure his food was, you know, stored properly. During, and he goes, it's the daytime. The bears don't come out in day. And I've been doing this for blah, blah, blah years. And there's right. no bears. I've never had any problems, blah, 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 I'm like, yeah, so the food has to go into the bear box. And I'd like you to, you know do that soon. And I left and I got about 200 feet from his camp and down the trail came a bear. Of course. And And I'm like, oh, this should be interesting. And so I got out of the bear's way And I climbed up on a little rise and the bear sauntered down the trail and then he lifted his nose into the air and then he went, you know, up the hill and, you know, so I've got a great vantage point and I see the bear go into the tent or go into the camp. I'm thinking, this is going to be great. (laughs) But then I realized, you know what? There's a liability issue here. The guy's in his camp, his kid's in the tent, they're in the tent. Uh, I can't, I can't let this happen. And so I started shouting to scare the bear away. The bear ran away. And of course, the guy comes out of his tent and s- demands to know what I'm shouting about right. and thinks that I'm totally So, right. The other important thing, I, I mean, even in terms of the historical context, I, I recently read this book by Jordan Fisher Smith. It, it's called Engineering Eden. And it's a history of wilderness management. And people have dedicated thousands and thousands of hours to try and figure out how to keep this place that we know and love healthy. And, you know, lifetimes, lifetimes have been dedicated to this. And it's resulted up to this point in the bear canister, you know, in terms of bears. And it has an unbelievably powerful effect. And, you know, I, again, I'd like to hear what your experience is on this. Oh, for sure. Okay. But to me, to store food safely, properly, and keep it from the bears is a really, really important thing to do. And if you've, like this other guy, been going to the backcountry for years, and you've, you know, never had a problem with bears, that's, that's because it works. If you right. look back A very, very short time in history, you will read accounts where not only was it ruining people's trips, but people were getting injured and people were getting killed because food wasn't being handled properly. For me, going into the backcountry, it's an act of respect, reverence, humility. And I take a really like responsibility at a personal level to protect this thing that i just really really love you know i don't know you know what's in your life that you you know just thinking about it just brings you to tears but the wilderness is that way to me you know maybe you know and and my daughter's that way to me and so i want to take a level of kind of personal responsibility like i would like if there's a chance that a a bear could get my food. Like, I, don't, I don't want to take that kind of responsibility because right. chances are it will lead to that bear being killed. They were killing bears in Yosemite and tossing them off this cliff.
1: because. Which cliff was that? Do you know?
3: <laughs> um, it's it's written about in in Jordan's book, okay. Engineering Eden.
1: Okay.
3: Um, there's another great book by Rachel Mazer called okay. Speaking of Bears, which actually specifically addresses the history of bear management.
1: I'm just imagining like, you know, going off trail somewhere and you come to the bottom of a cliff that has a bunch of bear carcasses. Like that would be a little bit. The scene
3: he describes is exactly like that. It's, it's horrific and it just causes this outrage in the, in the public sector because the, the, the park service is supposed to be protecting these bears. But when it comes to, you know, either, you know who you who you going to punish? You know, it's, it, yeah. So when it comes to a bear-human confrontation and the government's involved, the bear's going down. It's losing. You know, it's going to be killed when it starts hurting people.
1: Favors, yeah, favors t- towards the human. So I think it's easy for us to kind of go on a rant about, you know, we don't want to carry the extra weight, this and that. But from my perspective, I always have a plan. So I've got I've got some some thoughts about what you said that I think would fall in line with what you said. And then so I'll give you my plan and this and then I'll let you kind of respond to that. And you can you can point out the flaws of my plan or or whatever. Yeah. So my thought is that, yeah, obviously nobody wants to carry the bear canisters into the backcountry, you know, extra two and a half, three and a half, four pounds, depending on how big they are. Like, that's just a lead weight. And so I guess my three part plan would be if people are going to go to heavily visited zones like Ray Lakes, like the one you mentioned, then I would just go ahead and install the bear boxes there. I would have enough bear boxes so that there's ample room, and not just in places that are monitored by rangers, but just, like, there's a spot for the bear boxes. And then I would go over in the permit stage, like, hey, this is, you've got to store it not just at nighttime, but during the daytime as well. And so that would be part one of the plan. Part two is is if people are going into areas that are not as commonly visited, and they have kind of a running history in the park of, kind of lack of bear contact just because they're careful with how they store their food and how they set up camp. Like we've talked on our on our show before about setting up like a test or some sort of thing to, to kind of prove that they have the ability to to camp safely without bringing on the bear, so to speak. And so I so that's my, my other thought. Uh, the third part would be one of the drawbacks of the bear canisters is that not every time, but a lot of times those things get rolled off of a cliff. And so now you have the backpacker without the food. You've got a bear canister that's now just in the wilderness. It's going to be there forever. And it's it solved the problem because the bear's not getting the food, but it's just frustrating for the backpacker because now the backpacker's got got to go without, so to speak. And so there's a new storage container called the Ursac, which has not been approved by National Parks yet. I'm hoping that it'll get approved this year, which is a fraction of the way of the bear canisters. It's it's meant to be tied to a tree and it's made out of material that the bears simply can't get through like they can't get the food out of the container. And they've done some research on this and it's it's significantly more successful than bear canisters themselves. And so I guess the third part would be just I would approve that you know with provided the research can be you know justified, I would I would approve that so that we can at least lighten the load for or for food storage for the bears so. Those are my three main thoughts, and what do you what do you think about those?
3: Here's what I think. The, first of all, lead in your pack. That's uh, that's pretty heavy heavy language.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm exaggerating for sure.
3: Yeah, I'm going to say, um, you know, I think you use Bible verses in the uh, in your episodes, so I'm going to use this metaphor of um, of the collection plate. Okay, great. It's you know you gotta you gotta give up something, right? Uh, if you're going to support what you believe in, you know, you're going to put something in that plate. And if you don't, you're really depending on other people to do it for you, to maintain that thing that you love. So, yeah. So there's, yes, there's weight. Lead weight, yeah, I think it's an exaggeration. Okay. I, I When I was a ranger, I carried a carbon fiber bear canister. Yeah, they're pricey, but it they're they are really light, and it's problem solved. We're done.
1: I don't I don't even know if I've heard of a carbon fiber one. I'll okay, so one it's, okay. it's
3: it's called the uh, barricade. Okay, they are very light. It's expensive, but you can rent them. You know, you don't have to put shell out the the money for them. Um, now that I'm not a ranger, I use. I, I actually don't know what the name of it is. It's the clear plastic one. Oh, the bear vault. Yeah, I think that's pro- that's probably probably it. I don't carry. Yeah, the gar- Garcia was the first one, um, and it's it's a little heavy and small and has problems. I've never heard of a bear canister rolling off a cliff. Have you really encountered somebody who's had their bear canister roll off a cliff?
1: I've had somebody lose their bear canister because the bears rolled it away. But the, as far as the rolling it off a cliff or rolling it off of a, you know, rolling it out of the site or, yeah, I guess off a cliff. Um, I'm getting that information from that, that same company, the Ursac. They, they did their research, and I think they had interviewed various national parks and just compiled research about how many bear canisters were lost. And I think that was one example of how it got lost.
3: Okay, so a suggestion if you have had your bear canister roll away or you're concerned about it, you put your, your pot and your stove delicately balanced on the top of the canister, and if a bear comes, then you can be alerted to that, and you can monitor the bear. Um, There's also uh, ways of tying off the bear canister to a tree, but I'd say just monitoring it. Now, if you ask me personally, like, well, what if that person whose canister got rolled off a cliff didn't have the canister, then... The bear would likely have gotten the food um, if they if they you know bears are crazy in their ability to get food. Right. There's there's no other way of keeping food safe other than that I know of, other than bear boxes and bear canisters. I watched a guy climb a rock like using like rock okay. climbing shoes and nuts and stuff and and hang it thirty feet up in the air um, from a nut. And when he came back, it, the bear had gotten his food. There's a crazy counterbalance. Like, people rarely can do counterbalancing, right? Uh, you're right. familiar with that counterbalance? I, oh, for sure. Okay. Bears will go out on branches and break the branches. They'll send their cubs out if the branches are too thin. The right. cubs will stand on the bear's shoulders. The bear, in this case, was up in the branch. Hold the food up to get the food. So I mean, it's it's crazy. B, b, counterbalancing, okay. in my opinion, is a delay tactic. And so again, <laughs> you've got to be alert when the bear is trying to get your food. Then you're going to be committed to being up the rest of the night throwing rocks. Right. All right. Other than, otherwise, they're going to get it. So I'd rather that. <laughs> You know, the, really, personally, I'd rather the person lose their food than this bear get the food. So, you know, I'm yeah, sorry, I kind of feel that way.
1: No, 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 I know. We want your, yeah, honest opinion. And I think, what so it sounds like your counter argument to the, one of the first couple of things I said was, there are some better options for, for bear canisters with the carbon fiber one. And I did look that up real quick, and it weighs, they have one that's pretty big. Um, I think it was like 750 cubic inches, which weighed in a little over two pounds, which... um. Still, you know, heavy for people that are, you know, that like to go ultralight, but better than what, you know, what, what's out there where I think that the typical one holds less than that. I'd have to look that up um, and is heavier than that. So that's that's an option. And then and I liked what you said. So if you're concerned about it kind of getting rolled off a cliff or if you're or losing it, just, yeah, there's ways to to monitor it or tie it off. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but just to clarify the, the, the idea with the stove on top, putting your stove on top of him, you're basically saying like, you're going to get alerted to the bear, that the bear's out there. And so now it's time to go chase it off with some rocks. Is that fair to say?
3: Well, if you're if you're alerted, then you can at least, you don't have to chase it off with rocks, but um, you can monitor what's happening with that with that bear can um, if you're really worried about losing it. I've never had, I've never lost a bear can. I mean, every night I had a bear can and I just, you know, you, you can put them in like a little triangle of downed logs. You can stick it in the, in the stick it in like a little rock crevasse, you know, and they'll paw at it. But yeah. And I've never heard of anybody losing their bear can. Now, you know, I could see that it could happen, but I just, uh, I don't think that that's right. Reason enough to not have a bear canister and the Ursac can I go off on the ERSAC now?
1: Yeah, please.
3: The ERSAC is not new. Mr. Err has been trying to get approval for his sack for many years.
1: <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, I did not know this.
3: Very conscientious, caring people have you know, looked at this. Uh, very, very smart people who know bears have looked at this and have done their work and cannot in good conscience – allow that as an approved food storage container what happens is the bears come and they bite into this thing and it's squishy and it smells like food and so they're just gonna just chomp 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 and they're not getting it and they're not getting it and they're slobbering on it and they're crushing your food and they're it's starting to seep out a little bit. So they're starting to get a little reward, right? right so they're not going anywhere and they, they'll they tug on it, its tied to the tree. They tug on it. If it's not tied to the okay. tree. They'll bring it down. You know, maybe they'll put it in the water. This, you know, I've been told they bring it to the water and then they kind of get this food tea from it. Bears are smart. Bears <laughs> are as smart as my four year old. Okay. <laughs> Okay, bears are, are as smart as four-year-olds, which if you have had a four-year-old, that's really smart. And so now, finally, you know, daytime comes, the bear's just gotten this taste of your Kool-Aid or whatever it is that's seeped out, and they're off on their way, to, you know, they're they're leaving. Now, you have a slobber-soaked food sponge.
1: So, yeah, and I guess they have, And I, I don't know how new this is, but they have like an a,
3: aluminum yeah, insert. yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't been privy to the exact tests on that, but I know Harold looked at the aluminum insert, and it's just it it just doesn't it doesn't cut it. It doesn't solve the basic problem. They're getting a reward. They're still being attracted. They're okay. hanging around your camp. It's not doing your food and or your or you any good. It's not a solution. Actually, I have an idea for a bear canister that I might right. develop that's sort of Sort of an offshoot of this, but um, yeah, I gotta I gotta okay. work on it. But yeah, the, the 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 bear canisters are just like problem solved. It's really easy to think of the bear canister as awkward and heavy and you know okay. just like a pain and like oh man, I'm I'm trying to cut down on this weight. Right. But there's another way to think of it, and that is like this is the way that I am physically. Showing how much I love this place. This is my way. This is my warrior. I'm going to protect this place with this bear canister. This is my spear.
1: I see what you're doing here. You're going. You're digging into the psychology behind our motivation to or not to carry the bear canister. I like it. Well, let me ask you a quick question—a quick follow-up on your Ursac um, thoughts. Okay.
3: okay. So it sounds like
1: sounds like they've been around longer than I realized, and and I was doing and the research I did, I think it was a lot from what they were providing. So yeah, certainly their information could be skewed to to their benefit. But from if you had to predict, would you say then, based upon what you know of Ursac, if it's if they stay the same way that they are, are you do you predict that they will they'll they'll basically never be approved by the national parks? Yeah. Okay. All right, Sorry, man.
3: It. I think in this case, we got to suck it up. We got to do what we okay. need to do until something better comes along.
1: So, okay. So to, to kind of put words in your mouth a little bit, um, for one of my arguments suggesting that we'd, we've we sort of figured out how to avoid the bears, and we have you know many, many years, 16 years in a row of experience doing just that, you're saying, you know what? Like, you still just need to suck it up and carry the bear canister.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're you're uh, the bear boxes, you know, so you have this three-prong thing, the bear box. Right. Okay, first of all, uh the, you know, all of this has gone been gone over and over and over and over again in the development of a wilderness management plan, which was like 20 God, 25 years, no, more okay. in the making. Um finally Sequoia Kings has a wilderness management plan and so you are not the first. These are great great okay. questions. Um, these things have been considered very, very deeply. The Park Service is mandated uh, okay. by the Wilderness Act to minimize the impact of humans uh, in an area. When you go and stick a bear box at a location, first of all, that's an installation. So that's your – you've got to justify that with the federal law, the Wilderness, uh, the okay. wilderness Act. So right away, that's human impact. Not only that, but people will then tend to camp at the bear box. So right, right. It's, uh, there were studies done um, mm-hmm. on where people camped over the years. And as soon as you've got bear boxes installed, there was an, in, uh, a, a, an intensification of camping right around the bear box, predictably. And these places got bombed out and dispersed camping almost went away. It's kind of crazy. And so ultimately, really what we want to do is get rid of those bear boxes because of the impact they create and the fact that they're an installation. Also, we had a lot of problems with the bear boxes getting full. That's initially why we had uh, requirements um, for people to carry bear cans Mm. because the bear boxes were getting full stock users would put their horse feed in them, backpackers would put their backpacks in them, but just just your food, you know, boy scout troops would come by with, you know, a okay. whole bunch of stuff sacks and they'd get full. Bear boxes are are not a sol- are not a great solution just in and of themselves. I mean, again, if you would experience the craziness at Ray Lakes, before bear boxes, you'd just be like, "Oh, that's, these are, you know, these are heaven sent." Right. But they, you know, when you get into the subtleties, like, yeah, you know, there are a problem. And then in terms of camping out in, in the boonies, you know, I don't know what kind of test you'd have to prove your effectiveness in keeping bears away. I don't know what, you know, you're doing to keep bears away.
1: We did a whole episode on this, like contrived, we called it, can you pass the permit test? And so I don't know that that, (laughs) I don't know that we were proving that we could keep bears away. It was more just like, you know, do you know your do you know, do you know your stuff basically to, to prove that you're an experienced backpacker? So
3: okay, so there's you know there's you know that's cool you know proving you're an experienced backpacker. But okay, I have a little bit of experience backpacking, and I can tell you there's no way I could keep my food from a bear that wanted it without a canister. Done. Okay, no, no matter where I was.
1: As you're talking and sharing about how full these bear canisters get or these bear boxes get, I actually did experience that by the way when I um, was at Red Lakes. We had a hard time getting getting all our, our stuff in there. Uh, We got there late, but this is, this is a total off the cuff question, not really related to our main argument um, regarding the, you know, bear canisters, but I did come across a back (laughs) I did come across a backcountry bear box and I feel like it was just way out there and it just didn't seem like it was in a spot where people were camping. It just was like, you know, it was by itself. It was, there's only one and it was just, you know, just, I just felt like I was pretty far out and it was at a time when i was actually running low on food and in the bear box was a, a food stash that somebody had left there and i was like oh my goodness somebody had extra food they just left it in the bear box but then there was a note saying please don't take this which could mean that you know that they're planning to come back for or they were and, and they you know they didn't but basically somebody just left the food there so if you if you were me what's the protocol on that should you have Taken the food, or the fact somebody left it there, you know, for who knows how long.
3: That was another problem with bear boxes. Um, there's bear boxes at Kearsarge Lakes that we ended up locking. Oh. Because people would just fill them with trash. Okay. And I encountered that all the time at Ray Lakes. Um, I'd get full full size garbage bags full of trash. Oh, okay. uh, then there's people who would cash food um, for. PCT hikers right. or JMT hikers, so they come in over Kearsarge. They leave leave food sacks, and it was to the tune of seventy to hundred pounds a week. Oh my goodness! Of trash that was accumulating in these bear boxes. Now, yeah, so that's not cool. I hopefully, I don't have to go into why that's not cool. Um, so then we had to go. Okay, well, you're not allowed to cache food in the bear boxes, right. right? Another regulation because it was getting to be such a problem. And then I'd still find food in the bear boxes from people, you know, that hey, I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna leave my extra food. Somebody's gonna need right. it. But ultimately my feeling about that is no man, you pack it in, you pack it out. That's that's this is not a a trade box. And then we started getting people right who were coming through and I believe uh, it's it was PCT hikers who now are just stealing stuff from bear boxes to supply their little PCT trip. And so the Sierras are a place that I really, really love. So I'm, I'm kind of offended by some of these things. People are just like passing through and they're going to be gone tomorrow. You know, Whatever. But this is a place that right. I want to come back to and I want it to be beautiful yeah. every yeah, time yeah. I do. So, and so another reason to just let's just get, a, get rid of these things because uh, they're causing a lot of problems and in a lot of regards. So in that case, if somebody had a note that said, please leave this food for me, I'm going to pick it up, uh, you know, and then hopefully the note would be dated. Yeah, it was not. It was not dated. So, so right. you, you, you know, you just got to put yourself in their spot, you know, what right. if – if i came back and my food was gone and and i've and i've had people come to the ranger station saying yeah we 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 left our food we we were going to go on a on an ascent up this mountain and we came back and it was gone you know the trip's over it's a bummer man so
1: right.
3: yeah I, I, I hear you that's
1: tempting but it was tempting i didn't take the food
3: you're you're experienced carl i know you always bring enough food <laughs> <laughs> um
1: well, on that trip, that was part of the John Muir Trail through hike, and so what happened was, like, I'm, I tried to portion my food, food out correctly, and so after our last food stop, I was like, I'm not eating as many calories as I thought I would, so I left a bunch of food with some people that, I had, like, you know, a bunch of clip bars, and they were like, I'll take these off your hands, and so I basically underpacked my food, and then my, my hunger just skyrocketed out of nowhere, having been on the trail for so long, and then I was left short of food, and so that's, that's why I approached you and asked if you had any extra, and all you had was the pancake mix. And so I was willing to take whatever at that point.
3: Yeah, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to just touch base with you on the pancake mix. Okay. Do you, how do how well do you remember that episode? Or do you remember what kind of container? Oh. You used to eat the pancake mix.
1: Well, to eat it, I just put it. All I had was a pot, like I had a cooking pot that we used just for you know boiling water and then rehydrating you know our dehydrated food. So we didn't have anything super fancy, and so I just. When you put a bunch of pancake mix in a pot versus a pan, like the bottom will cook a little bit, but for the most part, it's pretty just gloopy and disgusting. And okay.
3: I will want to that first because I, I, I know that um, I did give somebody some pancake mix, it seems to me. Okay. Uh, really? That that's, that's a long time a, ago. <laughs> left a bunch of, um, you know, when I went through the campsite cleaning up later, there was this Tupperware left oh. with a bunch of pancake mixed glue. No. And yeah, I think it was it was somebody. It was somebody else.
1: <laughs> no, I no I no I'm very careful about um, especially trash. Like, yeah, we pack we pack everything out that we pack in for sure. And there's been a couple of times when one of our fellow one of our buddies basically has left something accidentally and then we always um, pick it up for them and then make fun of them for, for that. So, um, and that's happened to me for sure. But yeah. Well, you're know, no.
3: not the only one that, you know, kind of mis, um, estimated how much food they need in the backcountry. It takes a little while for the altitude to, right. you know, yeah, I think the altitude suppresses your appetite initially. Um, Susan, and I just always laugh. We were in the Leconte Canyon, uh, for a number of years. And by the time the GM tiers or the, actually the PC tiers, uh, got to La Canyon. They were all just starving. Oh it, yeah. it was you know they just uh, they'd been going through the deserts. They've been doing their twenty five thirty miles a day, and all of a sudden they get to Kings and they're going up two thousand feet, right. feet, feet and down two thousand feet and up two thousand feet and down two thousand feet and and they're just burning way more calories. So right,
1: yeah, that's no and and so yeah, and I've learned since then and. Um, I just, just to clarify, I did not take, I did not take the food out of the bear box. I was tempted. There's some good, look like some good trail mix stuff in there, but I was like, you know what? I think, um, just to play it safe, I don't want to take anybody's food away from them. And obviously, yeah, we, we, we ended up making it. It was fine. It just was, um, yeah, I just just was curious on your thoughts. I feel like you've successfully shot down all of my, all the all the prongs of my argument and you've given me some things to think about. And, and now I'm intrigued about the, the carbon fiber canister. I got to look into that. Especially if you think, yeah, that the Ursac's not going to get approved, because I'd like to figure out other ways to lighten the load. Okay, so I just got one last question. Yeah, so you like you're you're like a semi-famous ranger out there, and you've been, I mean, you're a writer. You've been, you've had stories about some of the things you've participated in. You've had that published, and so just to kind of wrap it, yeah, is there anything else that that we didn't get to today? And our, I know our topic was very narrow that that you wouldn't mind sharing about.
3: Yeah, all right, I'm a legend in my own mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's flattering,
3: you know. Um, <laughs> I did have a, a well, people.
1: People will recognize your name, so that, that that's why I would, I would count that at least as so yeah, famous. yeah, yeah. I want to think that. <laughs> okay.
3: yeah, so you mentioned uh, in your previous episode or a previous episode, I think it was thirty four, that about okay. this book the last season, and it's written by Eric Blem. It's a really okay. fun book if you like adventure stories, but this one's real, and I compare it to. The Perfect Storm, right? That book is, it's a real life okay, yeah. adventure, but it tells the backstory of the right. fishermen in the Northeast, right? And the last season right. takes place in this, in the Sierra that we know and love, but it tells the backstory of the backcountry rangers who every summer go off and live, you know, in the, in the middle of this wilderness. And it's, it's interesting. And the story's about one of my colleagues who one season just disappears. So it's engaging in that. Uh, Backpacker Magazine was the first to publish, uh, I believe, a chapter or an excerpt from the book, um, I think in 2002. And so they've sponsored Eric to write Mm -hmm. uh, an article about his ascent up a mountain that was named after Randy Morganson, the ranger who disappeared. And Eric invited me on the trip uh, okay. That that article is going to appear this summer. His his article. Um, he invited me on the trip to be, you know, kind oh, of great. photographer guide, um, and I wrote a, an accompanying story that addresses. <sighs> it's a personal thing. It's it's it, a deep deep grief in not being a ranger anymore, not returning to the backcountry for the past three years and, and my progress uh, and processing right. of that. So it'll either appear uh, in print or on the web as an accompanying thing. Interesting. I'm, uh, the, the editor hasn't indicated which how he's going to use the piece, but uh, he was moved okay. by it. And uh, so I was really flattered. I'm really hoping to get some photographs in the same issue. Uh, so it's something to look forward to. You know, read, read the last season between now and the summer and then... Check out that article by Eric on on our little adventure up this yeah. uh, nearly fourteen thousand foot peak in uh, just north of Whitney.
1: Yeah, I actually, get Backpacker magazine. I I would I hope it's in the print because I think that's where most people will see that. Great, yeah, yeah. Well, appreciate you sharing that, and we will keep an eye out for that. I know a lot of people probably subscribe to Backpacker magazine, and.
0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
1: Again, thank you for coming on and taking all this time to to kind of hash out the the bear canister argument with me and just kind of providing your own perspective. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah,
3: it's my pleasure. And I appreciate your being open to it. I, uh, you know, might not be some of the things that you wanted to hear, but I appreciate your (laughs) allowing me to voice my thoughts. And I hope I didn't get too intense for,
1: for people. No, no, it was great. It was great. So, man, that was really good. Would you agree? He's got some good... It's just solid,
2: you know. There's, I mean, what else can really say? Just, right. you know, he knows his stuff. He's just, he's, just,
1: that's really cool. Right. I kind of want to have him on again. I, I, I mentioned that to him, and we'll see if he's up for after he listens to, to this episode. We'll, we'll find out. But we have a lot to react to there, and I think we're gonna do the bulk of it of kind of his major points and kind of the the, the, the back and forth, the mini debate that we had. We'll address mm, that, I think, yeah. in a part two of this episode. There's just too much. This episode would just go on for too long. But yeah. I do want to address a couple of minor points with you, just kind of small things he said that we, we can at least, for fun, talk about, and then you can you can kind of weigh in if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Okay. All what right, so one of the stories he, t- he talked about, this is like our, our kind of um, signature question about, like, crazy experiences they have. Mm-hmm. And so we asked him that, or I asked him that. He shared about the bear that was charging at him that ended up chasing the fawn, that then like chase the fawn kind of out of sight. So mm. Derek, would you chase the bear that was chasing the fawn? Would I chase the bear that's chasing a, bon, a fawn out of sight? Um
2: honestly, probably not going to go down that road. I don't want to disturb okay. I don't want to disturb the circle of life, you know what I mean? So do I still I mean, do I feel bad for the fawn? Sure. Of course, but you know, it's part of the. I'm, I'm not I'm not asking you to like save the fawn's what do you life. Want me to like, do? I'm just asking I mean, You want me to if- kill the bear, save the fawn, save <laughs> both? I can't save all the animals, Carl. Think of how many mosquitoes. Think of how many mosquitoes you kill on a daily basis. If I could save your. I was actually going to start a GoFundMe called Save the Shoulders. And I thought maybe, <laughs> maybe we could fix this problem. You know what I mean?
1: oh my gosh i I just love where you're at with your comprehension like when i wrote this question i'm like how could he possibly misinterpret this one but yeah of course there's a way
4: you know what
2: (laughs) i it's it's almost too simple so i have to like deviate and go down these tangent roads
1: and just kind of just make it more interesting you know what i mean right well i was thinking observe what was going on i think your interpretation was to like jump in front of the fawn and be like if you want this fawn you got to go through me i think my reaction would be like Dive to the side, pull out a bag of chips, and just watch it. That's that's my reaction. Well, he okay. So the bear went out of sight, though. So you got to actually like follow mm-hmm. the path.
2: I don't so know if I'd do that. I don't know if I'd follow it. And number one, am I really going to keep up with a bear? Probably not, right? So well, it depends upon how fast the bear t- takes down the fawn. It might might not be okay. That far well, if the, the bear's trail. like so, okay, get, let me let me clarify this. Okay, let's say the bear's sauntering. Maybe I follow. Let's say the bear kills the fawn like. You know, 50 feet, 50 yards away. Well, then maybe I'll go check it out. Um, Would that be the wisest thing to do? Maybe not, but it'd still be something you're probably never going to see again in person, you know, so... Right, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. It's like, gosh, I want to get a picture, but I know this is really probably stupid to do, you know, <laughs> for sure. And it reminds me of it. Kind of reminds me of the kinship video yeah. with you and the
1: moose, you know, and it, right. It just in that same ballpark. You're talking it's about the really cool. <laughs> you're talking about sh- animal kinship so. video that just came out this week on our YouTube channel. And yeah, that was not like I do not yes. take pride in that moment whatsoever. But you know, I, I appreciate your honesty putting it out there. So. Yeah, 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 I'm I'm not perfect. So we all have our Wait, what? flaws in Is the backcountry, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so that's one kind of quick takeaway. The other one was like right at the end, you know, there's no way he's going to remember individual hikers unless they really make a strong impression out there. And so, so he doesn't remember me. But then when we talked about the pancake mix, he did have a memory like, oh, yeah, like a long time ago there was a hiker who left – either some pancakes or pancake mix or some gloppy pancakes, which is what I have, and some Tupperware, and then left them in, I guess, in the bear box. Yeah. And so he kind of was like, yeah, I, wonder, yeah, I do have a memory of that. So he sort of, in a roundabout way, I think, was kind of poking around, like, was that you, Carl, that like left stuff in the bear box? Wouldn't be, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. it would would be the first time i don't do that (laughs) well i mean that's you know i'll correct myself you don't leave them in the bear box you usually just leave bags of stuff on the trail (laughs) and then i find them and then my question is did you like how he in a roundabout way sort of like tried to figure out if i was the culprit of something he had to pick up after yeah i did i
2: did because it was it was coy it gave you the chance to i feel like he gave you the chance to come clean right away (laughs) <laughs> you know he gave you that option which he just didn't come out as a ranger and be like look uh i remember this for ver- you know like it was yesterday you violated something i have a ticket for you even though we're interviewing like he could have went that road that would have been epic right but
1: he seems like a nice guy so he seems like a great guy so yeah and just to clarify like i already mentioned that that was not me so i don't leave food and bear boxes and well actually I guess I, I guess I'm okay with storing them there if it's kind of like you know you're, you're caching it for a through hike, but I don't just like leave it there or like leave trash there like that's not my thing and we'll talk more about that next True. episode. but anyway, that's fair. Um, so just come, kind of some small takeaways. We're gonna dig into to the big stuff next time yeah. but for just to keep this episode at a reasonable time, I think it's time to jump into trivia. I think it is. So this is this is kind of a cool thing. You can actually get like a free-ish pillow at outdoor vitals free. Hmm ish do tell (laughs) or at least you can when we recorded this so i don't know if they they're going to close that deal this week but you just have to pay shipping so which is about ten dollars or at least it was to my address which i think think is pretty standard Um, which is still a great deal for backpacking pillow it weighs in at 2.5 ounces and has great reviews so check it out at outdoorvitals.com you might have to do a google search of like outdoor vitals plus free pillow deal and it'll come up and it's still cheaper than the one we talked about last season. Like, my Amazon pillow was 15 bucks at Amazon. So Rip off. Rip off. <laughs> Comparatively. <laughs> uh, so there you go. They're bringing us the trivia. Uh, and wow. you were able to muster the energy to put together trivia this week, right? <laughs> it was it a was labor, but I did it. Okay. Uh, we
2: got some Ranger trivia for you. I got three solid Ranger questions. I'm hoping you can get two of these correct. All right? Okay, Ranger trivia. We've done Ranger trivia before, so this is probably different, though, right? I would hope so. I want. Let's start easy. Okay. Let's start easy. I want to see if you can name me just f- five things a ranger does. Just what's five things a ranger does? And
1: it Oh, I'm, th- I'm thinking. You, yeah, I'm thinking you can get five things he does. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, there's like, are you talking about a certain kind of ranger? Because there's different types of rangers.
2: Like like a park ranger, like a, like a park yeah, ranger. Yeah, and there's different roles they play. Let's let's narrow it down then. Let's okay. narrow it down to on the trail rangers.
1: Okay and leave it at that the reason why i know this is because i actually tried to figure out a way to get a hold of ranger annie from last summer and they're like we have hundreds of rangers here that have all sorts of duties and i was like oh did not realize that so there's only one ranger annie for sure so okay on the trail the rangers can obviously check and enforce permits they can uh, make a site become a leave no trace site where people have left a trace they might end up picking up after people which is kind of unfortunate they might was, actually do some trail work uh, yeah. some some kind of like trail crew stuff where they are you know sawing logs to, to clear the, way, the path for mm. hikers they might have, which we ran into which we ran into uh what, do, a couple? yeah yeah I've seen them before. it before uh, they might yeah. just be they might have to kind of do some backcountry safety stuff where they're you know rescuing people or administering first aid saving mm. people they might uh, let's see they might I've probably Let's give me one more. more? Give me one more. Okay, they. Yeah. Um, I've seen. I've he actually seen a ranger hiking with the shovel over his shoulder, where he had to clear clean out like a backcountry latrine, or just like service it or whatever. You know what they could do for you, Derek, is they could probably give you some sort of junior ranger badge while you're out there, if you you know knock off a, a, a couple. If we're going
2: that route, you know, I was surprised. I was surprised. If we're gonna play hardball, <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, you. I was surprised that you missed. The ranger can also red flag you for other parks when you
1: forget to carry enough bear box i said i said check permits and i thought i said follow regulations oh did you okay maybe i missed that maybe i maybe i didn't say it but i thought that i want to make sure because i know that's a struggle for
2: you so i just want to make sure that you're you know doing what needs to be done uh that's good dude
1: nice job before you dive too deep into that like we are going to dig into this and you have a role to play here with this whole like (laughs) struggle with the bear canister stuff so don't feel like you're mr innocent i'm sure i do Oh, I'm definitely not. I definitely am not. I don't. I rarely carry a bear canister.
2: And I, we're going to talk about that too.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. He, hey,
2: everybody! Carl m- really carries the bear canisters far more than I okay. do. So, question two. That was a good job. Let's. These are. I'm going to tell me something that a ranger witnessed. Okay, so I want you to tell me which one the ranger okay. witnessed. Okay, so I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a few scenarios. You tell are me. You which tell one me where this might have happened to? No. <laughs> and, and, I mean, no. Could have happened anywhere in a anyway right. a ranger witnessed a uh, tourist stealing an alligator <laughs> a, ra- a ranger witnessed uh bear selfies a ranger witnessed boy scouts sawing trees down to make a raft <laughs> a ranger a ranger witnessed some friends surrounding two male moose
1: moose is that right yeah. during a fight okay yeah during a fight so which one of those happened I feel like that could have been all the above, but did you? Okay, the ones that are wrong. Did you make these up? I'm not going to answer anything. I just want you to tell me which one you. Because if you did, I'm proud of you. Like these (laughs) these are good.
2: (laughs) You tell me which one you think (laughs) is. Okay,
1: I just I feel like all these could be right, but I'm gonna go. I got I to gotta pick on the Boy Scouts a little bit. Although, because if you have the wrong leader there, they may not be aware of backcountry etiquette. I'm going to go mm. with the Boy Scouts. Well, Over bear selfies, really? I thought you were going to pick bear selfies. Actually... Well, the bear selfie one—I don't think that, w- that I think we talked about that one in our um, Darwin Awards episode, and I think that that there was yeah a that around.
2: that was uh, well a bear wit or a ranger witness it. So these are actually things you kind of fell for it because they all happened. But you should have went with your gut. They they all- ah I got it. I didn't fall for it. Well, I got it did. right. I said all the above. You did, but then you chose one because I tricked you. So they all happened. You didn't give me the option of all the above. Well, that's no fun though. I mean, that's too easy. Oh my I want to see what your gut reaction is. Okay, they all happened, which I thought was crazy that. The ranger came upon the Boy Scouts and they're just sawing fresh baby trees
1: because they thought it would be fun right. to make a raft. <laughs> like,
2: I was like, what is going on here?
1: Right. Just to clarify. Yeah. So when I said I'm proud of you for making some of these up, I, obviously I'm not proud of you because you didn't make any of these. I'm
2: up. proud of me for making you pick one when it should have been all, and you led you yeah. were strewn away from
1: strewn away? You were led away from your gut. So You me. would be the teacher that everybody would love. Like you you're like <laughs> the correct answer is all of the above. The students are like, that wasn't an option. You should have figured it out, students. Hey, Too bad. Hey Carl,
2: do you want to go on a snipe hunt next week if you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> the question three, probably the most difficult question. I don't know if you know this question, but okay. I, want, I think I'm just going to believe in you. I want you to tell me if you can tell me what are all of the Power Ranger colors? Because <laughs> they are... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay <laughs> Because they are Rangers I'm back to proud of you yeah, Don't Google it I'm ba- Don't no, I'm Google, not gonna it. Google it I'm back to being proud of you Because that's a creative question I like that That's awesome I know that you can do this Okay I, I was not a Power Ranger I think that was like Just after my my time As far as like Kid mm. shows mm. Which means you probably Like really embraced it Because we're about the same age <laughs> <laughs> Ouch And not true okay. <laughs> Yes it is You're six months apart Okay, I'm gonna go with. Um, I feel like there's. I didn't, imbr- I didn't embrace them though. I never oh, embraced oh, the power. Oh. Of them. I thought you I thought you, meant, you always like to pretend like you're way younger than me, so that's why you're gone.
2: I thought I I thought I found like a DVD in your car one time, but
1: never <laughs> DVD in <mind>. my car. <laughs> anyway, okay, uh, one guess. Okay, hopefully so you didn't Google this and cheat. Did, I I feel like they might have even added some colors later. How many are there total? There's six. Oh, you want me to tell you that? Um, oh, I, I don't know. Okay, I'll go with blue, blue, red, yellow, white. I feel like there's a pink one and and green. Okay, okay. So you got four colors out of six. There
2: is no Green Ranger. Okay. There's a white, red, blue, yellow, which you got. There's a Mm -hmm. Black Ranger. Mm. And then there was your favorite, the Pink Ranger. So that, there's six Rangers. The movie was in 1995. So I got five. You got four. You said white, red, blue, yellow, green, but there's no green. And I said pink. You said pink? Oh, yeah. that must have been your first. So five out of six. That's not bad. Let the record pretty show
1: true. that I should... So I get five out of six. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. That's, that's a nice okay. job. I appreciate right, that. That's good. Good trivia, dude. Nice job. Yeah. Well, that was, I like your trivia. That's good. Give
2: yourself a pat on the back. Okay. And we will... See you guys next time. Anything else you want to
1: mention before we skedaddle? and just to be continued. I think this next one's gonna be good in response to um to Ranger Rick Singer. Yes. And we again appreciate his time, him coming on. Like he was awesome. Like I had a really enjoyable time talking to him.
2: Yeah. Uh tune in for part two next week. We've got we will go into depth about all that stuff on the interview. Thanks again, everybody. Tune in next week. Send us a review, uh, Apple or Google Podcasts if you can. Five stars helps out the podcast. We appreciate it, guys. And remember, guys, it is not backpacking. Unless a ranger pops a blister along the way. Peace out. I want to fly the
4: world.
2: So Carl was lying. He, he had a, I'm going to, I hate to admit this without him here, but he had a, he had a pink ranger, uh, Outfit hanging in his closet. He he used to be the Pink Ranger for Halloween. I think it was four years in a row until I finally convinced him. I was like, Carl, this is not cool, dude. So he switched it up, and he went with the Turquoise Ranger for a couple of years. And then uh, he outgrew it, finally. And I think he outgrew it last year. Was Well, it was last year. So, yeah, there we go.
0: Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.